Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to be with you. We are about to be joined by a couple of folks who know a whole lot about caring for caregivers, which is one of those areas that don't get enough attention. We'll try to put the spotlight on it today. Carol Zerniel is our co-host. She's executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She's past chair of the board of directors of the National Council on Aging, member of the RAISE Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services. Carol has a master's degree in social gerontology with more than 25 years' experience in the field of aging and caregiving, and she is one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging. So, Carol Zernil, it's great to be with you. It's great to be here, Ron. And we're both FaceTiming. I, I got you back now. There you are. I just, that's right. We each have a, we have a face. We have to get everything lined up. <laughs> well, the banks, yeah. I'm so I'm excited today because um, you know Carol White uh, and Keely Meyer are, are are in are in the building, so to speak. We're all in different buildings these days, but we like to pretend like we're together. And the Caring for the Caregiver program we're going to learn about today is actually a program that we work with and partner with on a federal grant. You just mentioned the Department of Health and Human Services. The Administration on Community Living provided a grant to us to work with caregivers. And Carol White um, at UT Health, it brought us this program. And what is the program? Well, that's what we're going to have to ask Carol White. Why don't we get Carol White to tell us? Carol's a professor and Nancy Smith Heard Chair in Geriatric Nursing and Aging at UT Health San Antonio. And Kylie Meyer is a postdoctoral researcher working with Carol White. So, Carol White, what is that program? So the Caring for the Caregiver program is um, at the School of Nursing at UT Health, but really is an interprofessional program to support the quality of life of family caregivers, of people living with dementia, and also their loved ones. And we've um, been, we've had the program. We established it in our first program was in the fall of 20, 2017, so almost three years now. And as we were building the program, we went into the community to find out what are the strengths for family caregiving in this community. And I have to say, one of the steps we were on very closely was WellMed Charitable Foundation with Carol Zerniel to find out what they were doing. And then we also hosted a community academic forum to find out with family caregivers and others from the community, what are the gaps. And so that's really been what has helped us develop our program to support family caregivers, which really is um, a mixture, I would say, and one kind of leads to the other of service research, and we we um, share services with WellMed Charitable Foundation. Carol talked about the grant we're sharing together, and then also a lot of community outreach. And it, it goes without saying, uh, the, the rule of thumb is many caregivers will predecease the care recipient, very often because they don't take care of themselves. 
Yeah, we know that caregivers' health is at risk, and we've, you know, there was a landmark study in the 90s that showed that family caregivers, even after you controlled for risk factors like heart disease and diabetes and other risks, they were more likely to die. Um, but really, the reason was if they reported stress or strain in the role. Um, compared to caregivers who didn't report strain and also to care and then to non-caregivers and that was replicated about 12 years later so we know that caregiving is a tough job but if you're also feeling stress and strain and not self-care um, you're putting yourself at risk. Kylie I'm always curious you put all that time in uh, to get your undergraduate your master's your doctorate and then you go on a postdoctoral research program What's driving you on the education side? What are you looking for? You know, it's one research question always leads to another research question. You're never done. And so I think what I found, you know, starting in gerontology, um, I wanted to know a little bit more, how could we better serve older adults in our community? And eventually that led me to focus on caregiving, knowing in our policy context in the U.S., we really don't have good supports for family caregivers. Yeah, I know Carol, of course, Carol Zerniel is working on that right now with her participation in the RAISE Council. Um, but that led me to UT Health and their really innovative Caring for the Caregiver program. And it's such a great environment here where we can not only study how do different programs and interventions improve how caregivers feel um, about caregiving. So if they report, you know, do they feel more confident in their caregiving? That's one of the questions we're looking at. But we're also, within a medical school, able to learn um, how is the health, the actual health of a caregiver affected, such as through looking at changes in their levels of cortisol, that stress hormone. So, you know, I started as a social scientist, and now I get the chance to work with all these biobehavioral research. So it just never ends. Well, what I, what I love about the program that, that both of you are working on is that it combines you know, Carol White, what you were just saying, the the social aspect, that service aspect with a research aspect, and you've got the academic center. Um, and so, you know, that, that kind of mirrors a, a setup more like your home country, Carol White, uh, in Canada, where they try to put, you know, government and, and service and research and all live in, in one place. And so, um, you know, is, was, is that what motivated you to, to bring this to UT Health? Uh, to integrate these different aspects? I, I think we really saw the need. They, they drive one another. Um, you know, as we, you know, the first step really was to, to establish trust in the community, and I think that was from working with your group and other groups and really knowing that there's, we're stronger together than apart in the work to do. But then being that we're at an academic center is, is as we hear from caregivers, there become these questions that need to be answered by research. And not only questions that need to be answered by research, questions that have already been answered by research, but they're not available to most of caregivers. I think the literature shows that of all the evidence-based programs, they're available to less than 5% of caregivers. So working to really bring evidence-based programs to the more general population of caregivers in our, in our community. Carol White, we throw that term around, uh, and, and those on the inside know what evidence-based means, but most people have no idea. What is evidence-based? Well, I think 
what it isn't is this is the right way to do things because we always did them that way. Um, and so I think what it is is that we've conducted studies um, and rigorous studies where we really are able to say that um, either to be doing things like observation, and Kylie's going to talk about one of our observational studies where we can say there are associations between these things. Maybe one doesn't cause the other, but there are associations. But then also research that says if you give this intervention, you will improve um, health, confidence, different outcomes that support family caregivers, or maybe you will give an intervention that will allow them to keep their family member in the community longer. So it really is a scientific process where we just don't continue to do things the way we've always done them. We ask questions and rigorously study them to come up with the answer, and that's called the evidence. Now, if you just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And we're joined on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline from UT Health here in San Antonio. Kylie Meyer, a postdoctoral researcher, and Carol White, professor, and Nancy Smith, her chair in geriatric nursing and aging at UT Health. Well, where are we in the program, and how is it we're helping caregivers? So I think we, we're starting to collect outcome data on what we're doing for caregivers. We, we've served a large number um, of caregivers and we continue to see them. What we're finding from caregivers at the end of all of our, of our um, programs, we collect data on what they've learned, but more importantly, what they can do to take this into their practice. So we're learning that caregivers are learning valuable skills in what they need. We're also learning, we just finished a study that was um, supported by the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute to be looking at what are priorities for care. So not only are we learning how to help caregivers, but we're learning what are the questions in research that are important to them. Um, so we've learned that there's things that they're learning from us that they're putting into practice. We're also learning what new research that needs to be done. And then we're also um, looking at some of our programs now that started as service programs and looking at them as research programs and looking at, we say that we have this program that increases caregiver confidence and mastery. Does it really? So we're trying to, again, create more evidence for how we can best support caregivers. Well, um, during the pandemic, have you been able to take these programs into a virtual setting? Yes, we have. And I am, um, we, 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 as kind of we stopped doing in-person events, we started calling caregivers, finding out what their needs were and finding their need to still be having education, still be socially connecting. And so we've taken all of our programs virtual now. And um, I might just for a moment speak about the Learning Skills Together program, which started as a skills workshop. And this really did come from a gap in the community where we know that um, more and more caregivers are taking on nursing medical um, rehab type tasks that we all go to school for four years to learn, and most caregivers learn them by trial and error with very little um, instruction. And, and they have a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety about doing these things. And so we started a skills workshop, an interprofessional workshop with um nursing, occupational therapy, speech, language, nutrition, to really teach caregivers how to do this. So that, that was a hard one, because how are we going to put that online? And just at the time as, um, as the COVID started, we got funding to really look at, as I was saying, 
um, how it increases caregivers' confidence and sense of mastery in their role, which we hope leads to better self-efficacy and then to um, better well-being and safer care. So we have just, we spent the summer, and and Dr. Meyer and I co-wrote that grant, and um, spent the summer bringing it to a virtual um, um, platform, and we just are in the midst now of our second class, which we offer monthly, um, and you can see information about it on utcaregivers.org, where we're um, doing it in four sessions, of course, instead of one long Zoom day. And um, and then following it up with the booster session and testing how it um, how it might impact on caregiver confidence. I love that you mentioned Zoom Day. What has become so part of our lexicon today? Uh, seeing some guest on one of the national news shows being interviewed today saying, "Oops, I muted myself. Oops, I'm double muted." That has become part of every. Day. Stick with us. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. Carol White, professor at UT Health, and Kylie Meyer, a postdoctoral researcher with us, talking about caring for caregivers. And we are going to mute you right now. Calling all caregivers. Do you drive a friend or relative to a doctor's appointment? Make sure they take their medication or help them manage their finance. If so, you are a caregiver. And the WellMed Charitable Foundation invites you to its first ever online San Antonio Caregiving Summit. This year's theme, Caregiving, Accepting the Challenge. In light of the COVID-19 pandemic and to reach a wider audience, the WCF is presenting this free event online through a Zoom session. English Summit will be 9 a.m. to noon, Friday, November 13th. Spanish Summit, 10 to noon, Friday, November 20th. Speakers include Dr. Arthur Kleinman, author of Soul of Care, The Moral Education of a Husband and a Doctor. Lucy Berlack, MSW, social gerontologist, a consultant and caregiving expert. The Spanish session features Nestor Prudario. All of this and more comes to you with the Summit and the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Register at caregiversos.org. Hello. And indeed, that is the new connectiveness, seeing but not touching. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're talking along with our co-host, Carol Zernio, with Carol White and Kylie Meyer, both at UT Health in the nursing program, looking at ways to help caregivers care for themselves. And, 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 and you have your hand up, Carol. No, I was, I was thinking about... Um, but they were talking about with the with the skills training uh, right before the break, and there was a word mentioned, Carol White, that you said self-efficacy, and I was wondering if you could translate that. What does that mean, self-efficacy? So it, it really is feeling confident in what you can do and feeling like you can be in control of the situation, um, and that's been found to be related to a sense of well-being. So we know if caregivers are feeling bad and not feeling good about the care they're giving and feeling frightened, really, and anxious, um, that's going to decrease their well-being and also decrease the quality of care they're able to provide. And how do you get to that level? 
So I, I think it's a stepwise process of really teaching them the skills, knowing they feel then confident and masterful. And there's been some models about caregiving that show that if caregivers can sense mastery and self-efficacy, as that, that word in terms of feeling more enabled to do what they're doing, it can lead to, as I said, better quality of life and well-being. So it's a stepwise process. And it's one of those many things, I think, um, that supports family caregivers. Another thing, may I just go on a bit about COVID-19 and one of the things we've seen, Ron? Sure. So we've been seeing um, a lot of social isolation with caregivers, and I think Carol and I were on a, a debate, or not a ba- debate, a seminar a couple of months ago about social isolation, and we're realizing how important social support is. And I wanted, um, Kylie's doing a beautiful study looking at social support, and I wonder if we could take a minute to, to talk about that and how important it is in the caregiving relationship. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, so in our program, we're building caregiver self-efficacy. The other thing that we're really focused on throughout our program is trying to increase social connectedness among caregivers, making sure they have positive social relationships with other caregivers who they could learn from, as well as with the person that they're caring for. Uh, One of the tricky things that we're facing right now in the research field, and I'm going to actually throw a wrench in some of those statistics we talked about earlier about caregivers, you know, not doing so well health-wise. Well, the truth is, some caregivers do really well, actually. Their health is actually superior to non-caregivers, although once you get to those, as, as Dr. White was saying, those more stressed caregivers, you know, they, then we start to see those not-so-good health outcomes, the poor immune functioning, depression, unfortunately. And one of the things that we think might help to prevent some of those is improving social relationships, improving social connectedness among caregivers. The problem is we don't know which aspects of social connectedness are most important. Is it better that we decrease loneliness? Do we need to increase the number of social contacts that caregivers have? Does it matter whether that social connection happens over Zoom or in person? Something we really want to know right now. And so we're doing a study where we're asking caregivers to every day answer a short 10-minute survey talking about their different social interactions as well as their well-being. How do they feel that day? And the health behaviors as well. And we'll be able to see on days when a caregiver felt more socially connected in different ways, do we see better health behaviors, better mood? We're also asking caregivers to, and this is where it's so so great to be at a medical school here at UT Health um, in San Antonio, we're also asking caregivers to provide us with saliva samples, which as a social scientist, I kind of go, ew, why would you collect spit? But it's actually from a health perspective really helpful for us to know because it, for uh, those days when we see high levels of cortisol in somebody's saliva, that stress hormone again, we can see if that is associated with certain kinds of social connectedness, maybe have a, a strained relationship or an argument with a spouse or not be, or feeling more lonely on a given day. So that's kind of the focus of our study right now, and we're looking for caregivers to help us to, to answer our research questions around social support um, by participating in this study. So is that an actual call in the San Antonio area to, to have caregivers work with you? You still need people enrolled in the study? We are, and we're, uh, we're including uh, people living in San Antonio who can provide the saliva samples, and they get a little extra payment thank you bonus for that. Um, but we also can include caregivers from all around the country where if they are able to participate in that diary space, but just providing responses to those, those surveys for 14 days, they can earn up to $115. Um, and like I said, in San Antonio, if you choose to participate in the saliva collection part, they get a little little boost, so an extra $50 if they participate. 
All right, that's great. So, Ron, tell folks that are interested, um, you know, they can either contact us or contact you. So, um, Kylie, I'm sorry, I keep, Kylie, will you tell us where could they contact you? And then we'll also give our email address. Absolutely. So they can contact us. So, again, that website, youtubecaregivers.com, no, dot, dot org, dot org, excuse me, youtubecaregivers.org slash research. Or they could email me at Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R-K, the number one, at U-T-H-S-C-S-A dot E-D-U. And for Caregiver SOS, you can go to info at caregiversos.org. Or go to the website, caregiversos.org, and you can find other ways to contact us. Where do you store the spit? Just curious. <laughs> you know, I learned all about this this summer. So we actually, uh, as a school of nursing here, we have a whole wet lab in one of our buildings where we have these big freezers that are um, held at 100 or sorry, negative 80 degrees. And so you open them and then you have a bunch of samples from all these different research projects. And so they're all, oh, you freeze it. We do because we don't want, um, this is getting a little icky, but we don't want organisms or, you know, anything growing in, in the right. lab that could undermine integrity. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, that's fascinating. Now, I, I get the sense, Kylie, that this is my vision of what you're doing. All the work's going on on the ground there in different places, and you're sitting in a drone flying above each of these operations, taking notes, taking pictures, figuring out what's going on. You take the drone back to the school, and you write your report. You know, that's actually not so far off. In a way, um, observational research is, you know, we're kind of just trying to see what's going on. We're not intervening on anything, but what we can do through observational research like this project is once we know which aspects of social support are really, really important to a caregiver, that's how we inform our program. So if we learn, okay, if we decrease loneliness, that's the key thing that we need to be focused on, that's going to become our new intervention program to help support caregivers' health. Well, and, and what's exciting about, you know, what you're describing is research around caregiving. So there was a time when nobody was interested in researching caregivers and thinking about, is it one interaction? Is it multiple interactions? Is it in person? Is it not? Um, And so on a national level, that call for more research to better understand caregivers, their needs, what helps, it's all part of a larger puzzle that we're finally building to help families take care of family members and friends. And that was before we realized there's 60-some million Caregivers out there. Well, there there are plenty. So actually, you know, after you this airs in our either podcast or here on the show, you should have plenty of caregivers enrolled in the study. That's exactly okay. right. Oh, thank you. How many are you looking for? So right now we're starting off with forty caregivers. So it's not not that big because it's a pilot study. But what we'll do is for our next step, once we learn results, we learn we make sure that our process is all sound. Then we're going to do a larger study. So feel free to contact me, and I, you know, if we can't get you in this this time, we can probably get you in the next the next study. And as you take a look at uh, the the push, the shove, the stress uh, between caregivers and care recipients in light of COVID nineteen, which is certainly when you began to look at this field, COVID nineteen wasn't on the radar screen. Has that changed the way in which you're operating? It's it's changed completely. 
completely, I think, and I, and I think um, it makes Kylie's study that she's doing even more important, but I think, you know, what we're hearing from caregivers, which we always heard was the 36-hour day, but we're hearing that even more because caregivers are, have been afraid to have home workers come in, so they're there all the time. Um, caregivers have also been afraid to go out with their loved one living with dementia who, who may not... Um, you know, know that he needs he or she needs to socially distance or keep their mask on. So I think COVID-19 has brought tremendous stress. We're actually just starting a survey through our Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute to look at the impact of COVID-19 on dementia care from the perspective of caregivers, people living with dementia, and health and social um, care professionals. Carol White, we've got about a minute left. What haven't we asked you you want to toss into the mix? Um, Well, I do want to make sure people are aware of our website, utcaregivers.org, and that they um, look, you can see the research we're doing, you can see the events we're doing. We're also um, keeping in touch regularly with our caregivers. Um, So I think I just want to let people know about our programs and and to um to to get the support that they need to remember that they're not alone even though it's feeling like it many many days and for the caregiver any tips you want to pass on on how to manage in this very stressful world well i think probably maybe the, the thing we're all doing besides caregivers one day at a time and to really um control you know think about the things that you can control and to and and to let the others go aside for now but but for caregivers to reach out for help there's our you know there's our program which is just one of many programs in the city that can support caregivers don't try to do this by yourself and you can certainly go to caregiversos.org as well as the caregiver teleconnection uh, which is the uh, low technology group help that exists at no cost to anybody so that's pretty cool hey we want to thank you very much carol white and uh, Kylie Meyer, thank you for coming on. Carol Zonial, a last thought? No, it's, it's you know, it takes a village, um, and these programs and these research are helping us build more and more for caregivers. We'll catch you again soon on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.